morning and welcome to Living Hope Church uh, here online this morning. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas, great time with family. And as we just come off the Christmas season, uh, we just want to do a song. And I just thought, great are you, Lord. I mean, what better song to just, you know, end off this Christmas season where God has given us breath. So let's just sing uh, praise to him with what he's given us. So join with me as we do that this morning.
Living Hope family, thank you again so much for joining us here today, wherever you find yourself. I know some of you are likely in your car, maybe driving to see family or friends today. Maybe you're sitting at home and watching this on YouTube or whatever avenue you chose to tune in today. I want you to know personally that I am so grateful that you've carved out the time to sit under God's word for just a few moments. And what I would like to do, if you have a copy of the scriptures or you want to pull it up on your phone, if you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to share with you a message um, that I've shared here a couple of times here at Living Hope. I traditionally try to share this message, or at least a version of it, once a year with our church because I believe this scripture passage is so important. And I thought to myself as I was preparing for this day, December 26, there's so many different things we could talk about, but I think ending on this simple note of reminding ourselves of the treasure that is found in the Word of God is so important. And so as we close out this year today, the last Sunday of 2021, I want us to just spend a few moments here in this scripture passage reminding ourselves of that simple truth of the treasure that we have in the Word of God. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures, we're going to read in 2 Timothy 3. We're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to read down through verse 17. And God's Word says this through the Apostle Paul. And you have known that from, the in, from infancy that you have known the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me pray for us. God, as we spend these next few moments together in your word, wherever we find ourselves today, would you encourage your church? God, that although we are scattered today, Lord, we know that we are united under the word of God. Thank you so much for the scriptures. God, would you teach us to love the scriptures more, to treasure the scriptures more, because as we've said many times at Living Hope, it's in the Word of God where we get to know the Son of God, our Savior, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favorite quotes that I read many years ago was by a guy named Pastor Tony Morita. He's a pastor and a professor out of North Carolina. And he said this, and this quote has always stuck with me. And here's what he said, that if you believe God really wrote a book, wouldn't you really want to read it? If you believe God really wrote a book, wouldn't you really want to read it? And what I would like us to do today is using this scripture text in 2 Timothy 3, I want us to really dive into that simple idea that God wrote a book and that we should treasure the word of God. This passage today, this book of Timothy was written by the apostle Paul. He's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy is likely in his mid-30s, young mid-30s, pastoring a church. And what's interesting about these letters that Paul writes to Timothy is he makes it very obvious that Timothy is fighting an uphill battle at the church where he was pastoring. Paul finds himself in prison as he's writing this letter near the end of his life and he's being treated like a criminal. He tells us in this letter that he has been deserted by nearly all of his friends and the only person that still remains with him in prison is Luke. And still in that situation, Paul writes this letter to encourage this young pastor in a tough situation, Timothy, to remind him that although things around him were difficult, although things around him were uncertain, Paul tells him, you keep going, and here's why, because you have the sacred scriptures. 
And this whole chapter in 2 Timothy 3 culminates in two verses we read just a moment ago. Let me remind us of them here again. Verse 16 and 17. That all of Scripture is inspired by God. And that Scripture is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God, I love this, may be complete and equipped for every good work. So, so I want us to just break this down rather quickly this morning and ask God to teach us a few things. If you're a note taker, if you're seated somewhere where you can take notes, I encourage you to write these few things down. First off, Paul starts off with this simple phrase, two words, all scripture. What did he mean by that when he's writing to this young pastor, Timothy? My pastor growing up, John Beckett, used to always say a phrase similar to this. He'd say, whenever you encounter the word all in scripture, that all means all, and that's all that all means. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing that we see here in verse 16, but I don't want us to miss the beauty that's found in these two words. You see in verse 15, that verse we read just a moment ago, Paul encourages Timothy to remember, quote, the sacred scriptures that he was taught from his childhood. That is, he was enduring in these hard times to remember those sacred scriptures. What were the scriptures that Paul was referring to? Well, we have to come to the first logical conclusion that up to this point, it's likely that the only scriptures that Timothy had was the Old Testament. And maybe because of the time that this letter was written, that some of the New Testament writings had been compiled up to this point. But how do we know now this this side of the writing, uh, a couple thousand years later almost, that Paul was also referring to the entirety of the Holy Bible that you and I now possess? How do we know that? I want us to remember this simple truth today. Three simple words. Scripture complements Scripture. I want to show you quickly how you can know that the Scriptures that you have, Paul's referencing, that all of the entirety of Scriptures that you and I possess are inspired by God. First verse I want to show you is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Jesus says these words, Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill Then he goes on to say, for I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of the letter is going to pass away until all things are accomplished from the law. See, Jesus' ministry and what Jesus taught was simply a fulfillment of what was already taught in the Old Testament. So when we have this collection known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, They are the words of Jesus and the compilation of the life of Jesus and they're complementary to the scriptures that had already been compiled in the Old Testament. So we know, based on that, that our gospels are the inspired scriptures. They're included in all scriptures. Jesus goes on to tell us in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14. He says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now, talking to his disciples. When the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, He's going to guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears, and He will declare to you what is to come, and He will glorify Me, because He will take from what is Mine, and He will declare it to you. What's Jesus tell us? That not only do we know that the Gospels are part of the all Scripture that Paul is referring to because they're complementary to the Old Testament, the fulfillment and compilation of the life of Jesus... But he also tells us that the Spirit of God will come after Jesus ascends into heaven and reveal more truth to the people of God. So this is beyond the Gospels. Now we're moving into the New Testament letters. And Jesus tells us that there's going to be more written. There's going to be more coming from the throne of heaven for the people of God that will be compiled 
as the scriptures. Let me give you a few examples of this. 1 Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 13. Paul tells us that he was writing directly from who? The Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. Paul says as he's writing that letter to the Thessalonican church. He says that the message that I'm writing is a direct word from the Spirit of God. 2 Peter 3.16, Peter says that the writings of Paul are Scripture. Now watch this. I love this. When you read through all of our New Testament letters, we actually see that there's 300 direct quotations from the Old Testament and 1,000 indirect quotations from the Old Testament. What does that show us? That from Genesis, the first book in the Old Testament, to Revelation, the last book in the New Testament, that there's this interconnectedness, this intertwinedness between the message of God. It's just one giant story that the God of the universe has given to the people of God. So when Paul starts out in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, reminding us that all Scripture is inspired... How do we know that it's all scripture? Well, we just gave a bunch of examples. We know that he means the entirety of this book that we now possess. You see, it's interesting. Paul was writing to Timothy, referring to the ones that Timothy already had. But it was also a a future type writing where Paul's telling us, this book that y'all got, this thing that that is this collection of of the writings of God, and this is scripture, this is from the throne room of heaven. You know, it's kind of interesting to me. I, I was thinking through this this week. A lot of our New Testament books, as we mentioned earlier, several of them, were already written at the time that that Paul had penned this letter to Timothy. Um, So we know that, man, Paul's referring to a lot of what we now currently possess, but there were some books that hadn't been penned up to this point. Let me give you a few of them. There were four, actually, 2 Peter, Hebrews, Jude, and Revelation. They hadn't been penned up to the point that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. So what do we do do with that? Because I know there's some people out there, you're asking that question, well, how does this all piece together? We don't have all the time in the world to cover it today, but I think that's important. Think about this. 2 Peter hadn't been penned when Paul wrote these words, but we know it's referring to now what we have in our collective Bible known as 2 Peter. Well, think about this. Peter, the apostle, walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. He had already written one letter that was considered scripture, 1 Peter, and then he wrote a follow-up to that, 2 Peter. I think that brings credibility to Peter's writing of scripture. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote the book in the New Testament. Look, if you're Jesus' half-brother, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that probably gives you a little bit of credibility. Revelation, written by the apostle John when he was exiled to Patmos. John had already written several other books, the gospels, the letters in our New Testament that were considered scripture at this time. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, nobody's really certain who it was, but many assume that it was the Apostle Paul. Listen, I'm not going to argue with the fact that Apostle Paul wrote it, that he was inspired by the Spirit of God, and that it was Scripture. What do we do with those first two words? All Scripture. All means all. The collection that we have now known as the Bible is all Scripture, and it's all of it inspired by God. Now, what do we do with that word inspiration? You see, I've made very briefly this argument that we can trust that all of these are inspired by God, but but what does inspiration really mean? It's a strange word. You go to any bookstore, if you go to Barnes & Noble, you pick up a book on the bestseller list, most likely you're going to flip over the back and somebody on their their, uh, quote about why the book is so great is going to say, oh, man, this author was so inspired. You see, that's not what this word means here in the scripture. This word carries so much weight. You see, inspiration is actually two Greek words that had been smashed together to mean one word. So the first Greek word that makes up inspiration is the word theos. 
It's where it means God. Uh, literally, it's where we get like our phrase. You've probably heard the word theology, the study of God. Theos is God. Then it's this other Greek word, pneuma, which means spirit or breath. And to come up with the word inspiration, theos and pneuma were slammed together. And it's where we get our word inspired. Literally, it means the breath of God. I love that. Inspiration means the breath of God. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 3.16 and look at this real quick. That means Paul literally wrote that all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all of it, and we've made the argument as to why all means all, all of it is breathed out by God. The words contained in this this book, your, your copy of Scripture, were breathed out by God himself. Let me, let me show you a verse here I think is important. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Peter writes this, you know this, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of men. Instead, men spoke from God as they were what? Carried by the Holy Spirit. Peter says what, what Paul writes These other New Testament letters, the Old Testament books that we have, how did they come about? It's because the God of the universe breathed them out through men. Uh, The technical term for this is known as verbal plenary inspiration. It simply means that God was in total control of everything that was written down in the scriptures. And he, he chose to use human vessels to communicate his truth to the people of God. God chose to use human vessels, but he was in total control of every single word and punctuation mark. All of it, he was in total control. He breathed it out. You see, friends, I think when we understand the inspiration of the scriptures, that all of it, Genesis to Revelation, is breathed out by God, we begin to understand that this book is the most powerful thing in our lives. It's the most needed book in our lives. You see, in a culture that is going through so many uncertainties now, still two years of uncertainty, you know what we need? We need a word from God. And if this book is truly from God, which we believe it is, because all scripture is inspired by him, then this book in the new year should be the first thing I run to when everything around me begins to get shaky. And it's the first place I should point people to when everything around them gets shaky because it's in these pages that the breath of God has been breathed out where we find the Son of God and the Word of God right here in this book. Paul says that all Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is breathed out by God. And then he gives us one closing thought. He says it's profitable. It's profitable for you and me. Look at verse 16, all scripture inspired by God and and it's profitable. It means it's sufficient and it's complete for you because you and I understand that the, the scriptures were breathed out by the creator, meaning that it also is profitable for us having everything we need in order to live lives of godliness. Contained in the scriptures is everything we need to live for the glory of God. Then he gets specific. He gives us four things. It's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Warren Wearsby years ago put it this way. He said the word of God is profitable because it shows you what is right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. Let me walk through those four real quick. First, it's profitable for teaching, meaning that it shows us who Jesus is and how to live for him. You see, it's in the scriptures where we find Christian doctrine, Christian theology. Timothy surrounded by a culture that is falling apart around him. And and what does Paul tell him to do? He says, Timothy, get your nose back in the book. 
When the culture around you is spiraling out of control, you run to the Word of God, not to Facebook, not to a news site, not to a blog. You get your nose in the Word of God for the supreme and final source of truth in your life. We need the Scriptures. You see, because it's in the Scriptures that we understand Christian theology, such as things like the fall of man, the person of Jesus, Redemption found in Jesus, justification in Jesus, sanctification and glorification found in Jesus. But the Bible is so practical to teach us simple things. Like, how do I interact with my spouse? What do I do with my money? How do I become a good employee? How do I control fear in my life? What do I do with my emotions? How do I overcome temptation? You name it, the Bible teaches it. One of my least favorite stores in the world is Ikea. I've told you all this before. I bought a TV stand years ago, opened the box, 300 pieces, 200 screws, all fell on the floor, opened up the instruction manual. I'm positive it was in Swedish, so I threw it to the side. I began trying to put together this TV stand and all of these pieces, and after an hour or two, I asked my wife, I said, all right, what did I do with the instructions? Because I cannot figure this out on my own. Why are the instructions vital to putting together a TV stand? Because there was a creator who built all the intricate parts of that TV stand, and he knew how it was meant to function and be put together rightly. See it? The Bible teaches us how to live for the glory of God. It teaches us how to know Jesus on a more personal, intimate level. Why? Because it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for rebuking, meaning it confronts sin in my life and in your life. Notice that phrase there that I used, it confronts sin in, in my life. You see, the Scripture's main function for me is to point out sin in my life. Too often I read the Scriptures and I think to myself, you know what, my spouse could really use this, or man, I can think of somebody in my family that could really use this, or I could think of a coworker that needs this right now. But what the Scriptures are meant to do for us first and primarily is to point out sin and disobedience in my life. God's got to do a work in me before He'll use me to do a work in those around me. Thirdly, Paul says the scripture is profitable for correcting us, meaning it shows us when we've strayed from truth and we need to turn back to Jesus. It shows us what proper living looks like. Now, I think if you're a parent, man, this is a verse right here, a word that resonates with us so much because how often do we have to correct our children? I've got two kids. You all know this. How often do I have to say, don't say that, don't say this, don't eat that? In my house, sometimes it's like, Stop licking that random thing on the wall. What is wrong with you? Why do we correct our kids? Because we want them to grow into people of character. We want them to grow to be the best person they can be. What does God do? He uses the scripture to correct us because he's molding, forming, shaping, and growing us into the likeness of Jesus. And lastly, Paul says the scripture is profitable for training us in righteousness. What does that mean? It means we're engaging in this constant correction and this moving toward Jesus. You see, we, we, it takes more than one time of correction to get it right. It's a, it's a training process. Now, thinking of it with our children, I guarantee if you're a parent watching or listening today, you, you just don't have to correct your kid one time and then they're perfect. If you do, you're a liar. I don't believe you. We all have to make corrections in the lives of our kids continually as they continue to grow and mature. Why? Because training is a process of correction over and over and over. 
And that's what God does with the scriptures. You see, because if we really believe that all of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are actually breathed out by God, then we also believe that we need to continually consume this and allow it to correct us over and over and over if we want to be truly formed into the image of Jesus. I'll leave you with the quote that we had from the beginning. If you believe God really wrote a book, would you really want to read it? See, I think one of the most magnificent things that we could close out 2021 with is this. It's that in the pages of of this book, the creator confronts our sin, yet pursues us at the same time. That Jesus in this book confronts our sin and he pursues us at the same time. And we can say that the word of God is inspired. We can say that it's breathed out by God. All of it from cover to cover is breathed by God. But friends, let me remind you, that inspiration means nothing for you if you never open the book up. The inspiration means nothing for you and for me if I don't read this book. The inspiration means nothing to you and me if I actually don't spend time with the Son of God in the pages of the Scriptures. So I encourage you as you close out this year and you head into 2022, remember the treasure that we have in the Word of God. That from cover to cover, all of it, is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that you and so that me can be equipped for every good work that God calls us to this next year. Let's treasure the word of God. Let's get in the book. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for this year. Thanks for this church. Thanks for these people. Thanks for what you've done in us and through us the last 12 months. God, would we be people of the word this next year, loving the scriptures and loving Jesus more and more every day. It's in your name we pray, amen. Living Hope, I love you. Hope you have a great rest of this year. Enjoy time with family and friends. Enjoy time off from work. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great day.